0: Thank you, worship team, for leading us so well here this morning. It has been a blessing. And those words are powerful. I could hear you singing. It felt like declarations here today. And that's very good. Now, I think it was August of 2000 when I met her for the first time. I walked through the front doors of my father-in-law's church. I was out in Ottawa visiting Ralna for the first time in Ottawa. And there was Diane. She wasn't a tall lady, but you could have picked her out from a mile away from across the parking lot. She had a million-dollar smile, and she stood by the front door of the church watching for people, new people, sometimes people, regular people. Diane loved people. And when they came, she got to work. Probably for some sort of organizational reasons, she was given the job to be on the host team, but there was no question that connecting people into the church was Diane Rapley's passion. She loved to see people connect. She loved to see the church grow. She'd been a part of Redeemer Alliance Church, which actually Jamie Hargrave pastored at uh, for how many years was that, Jamie? Six years with Rolna's dad. Uh, felt like a little while ago now. Um, but she'd been a part of the church in the early, di- in the early days when they met in the school. And the vision was was that on the east side of Ottawa, in a community called Orleans, they would build a building in a new part of the city or of the town that was going to grow. And that church was going to grow to a thousand people. And everyone who was there, the original people, they knew this vision. And Diane was one of those people. She was fired up. She was excited. And she wanted to belong and be a part of the team. I'd heard stories of Diane even before I got to Redeemer because her son was with me in Bible school and he talked fondly of his parents, but that wasn't the, uh, but, and, and her ministry was special. And with a huge smile and a warm handshake, when you arrived at Redeemer Alliance Church, the church felt like home. But that wasn't the best part. The best part of Diane's ministry was that she was a bridge builder. She used to know and understand that it wasn't her job to just be warm on Sunday morning. She knew that there had to be more to it. And so she would watch for people coming in from the outside and she would connect them to those of us who are on the inside. And the day that I arrived at Redeemer and I walked through that door, she said, oh, you just have to meet Ron, who was her husband, and off we went. I'm sure Diane did other things in the church. In fact, I know that she was a part of a a prayer ministry there. That to some might have seemed insignificant, her, the jobs that she did. But to her connecting the dots with and for people was something that she took passion in. It brought joy to her heart. She knew it was how God had, had designed her to be. And she knew it made a difference in helping people feel like they belong. I'm going to do something a little different that I don't typically like to do. I don't like to deviate from the plan very often. But last Friday and this Monday, as I was getting ready to preach today, I had a stirring in my heart that we had to talk about belong, what it means to belong to a church. Back on, I think it was May the 6th, our staff was in a prayer meeting and we held our hands open and we said, Lord, what do our people need in this fall season? And the word belong came into our hearts and there was unity and there was agreement that we needed to establish again, coming out of COVID and in a, in a new season of ministry, what it means to belong in a church like this. And we decided we needed to capture a sense of how you feel and how you belong here. And so we did this survey called the Belong Survey. Three simple questions. And you could anonymous, anonymously submit your answers. And in submitting your answers, we tabulated them and then we read through them and we created this report which is called the Belong Survey's results report, and we read through. And it's been awesome, friends, to read this report. Well, there's some really complimentary things that are said, and we thank you for that. We praise God that there's some effect that takes place here. We also know, and we we saw with clarity, that there's some places, some opportunities, some room for growth. And I'll tell you that we as staff didn't take it as criticism. Instead, we saw it as the opportunity that God clearly showed us, the the spaces and places that we can grow into. And one of those spaces and places is making sure that everyone who comes to University Drive Alliance Church has a sense of belonging. No matter what your age or your stripe, that you could come, and this would be a place that felt like home, a place that you were connected to, a place to belong. And you know what, friends? We know we we're not perfect. We knew that going into the survey. But now we have clarity about where we can move forward. And my hope and prayer is that today we will be stirred as a church. We will take the first steps in this journey and hopefully create some passion and excitement about what the next steps of the Belong journey is going to be all about. One of the things I've known for a long time and that was revealed in, this, in these results was that we are a people who are united around the person of Jesus Christ and who are rooted in the word of God. And so it's there that we need to begin. And so if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to open them to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you're following us online, I would encourage you to use the button that's provided there or use your device. or use your device here too. Whatever it is, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm going to start reading in verse 12 and we'll read through to Verse 27. And as we read these words I'm reading to you from the NIV version just uh, if that's important to you and we'll read them together and uh, and receive them together here this morning. Let's receive God's word starting in verse 12. Just as a body though one has many parts but all of its many parts form one body so it is with Christ for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body whether Jew or Gentile slave or free and we were all given to the one spirit to drink Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Well, our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. A number of years ago, I was standing right here in this pulpit or, or in this spot on the stage and I made a political comment and after I made the political comment I said I'm just kidding I don't believe that that was a joke I don't believe what I said but after the service was done somebody was sitting right over here about where Adrian Overbeek is sitting and he marched his way up to the front and I walked off the stage and he put his finger in my chest and in a very loud voice he said did you mean what you said and I said no I said it was a joke And then he went on to make another political comment. We had to get together that week and have a meeting. And in that meeting, we discovered that actually we had a lot of agreement in a lot of areas. And uh, we actually became really good friends. That man since passed away. But one of the things I learned in that moment is that you have to be very careful of the comments that you make. And if you're going to make a comment, then you better stand behind it. And so while I'm about to make a comment, it's not going to be political, but I will stand by it. Because more and more, I'm becoming convinced of it. And what I'm going to say next isn't necessarily political, but it might be uncomfortable. And more and more, I think it's important and it needs to be said. When I look forward to the future of the church, friends, well, I'm more and more convinced that the best days of the church are in front of us. I do not believe that it's going to come with ease and comfort. The days of standing as the majority or having favor with people around us or even having a voice in the crowd or leaving or have even left the building and the necessity of being together as one, as a united body of Christ, as a place where people belong is becoming more and more important and perhaps like we haven't seen in centuries. Unity has always been an issue at the heart of the church. And as Paul is addressing us here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he's addressing a lot of issues of unity that have come come into the Corinthian church. He's addressing a church that's battling issues of life and doctrine, battles in the community and battles in the church. And in doing so, they're in the midst of conflict. Divisions and quarrel, issues of sexual immorality, lawsuits amongst believers, marriage and singleness, freedom in Christ, order and worship, the significance of the Lord's Supper, and the right use of spiritual gifts. All of it was tearing the church apart, and that was inside the church. That wasn't what was taking place outside of the church. And as Paul looks at this, he's, he's looking at it with a, concerning, uh, with a concern. And levels were rising. He's imploring them to remember what brought them together. And he says this in verse 13. Actually, I'll go back to verse 12. Just as, one body, though, though, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all of its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Verse 13. For we were all baptized by one spirit. So as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free. And we, we were all given to one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part but many. And what he does here is that he reminds them of the unifying peace that brought them together. And he knows, friends. He knows that that they need to be one because the world was literally tearing them apart. The evil one was getting his grubby fingers into the church and he was reminding them not of the unifying peace that brought them together, but he was showing them the, the... differences they had amongst them, and he was trying to tear them apart. And what takes place here is he's saying to them, remember why you came here in the first place. It's Jesus. Jesus is the peace that holds us together, and everything else is secondary to that. And it's often the case, friends, that when the devil attacks, one of the, the tactics he uses is to divide and to, and to conquer us by getting us to focus on our differences rather than our unifying peace Jesus Christ, he knows that if he weakens us, that we will be ineffective. And yet, if we can stay united, he knows that there's nothing else in this world that will have impact, that will be transformational, that will touch lives like a group of Christian believers, men and women united in Jesus' name, who are on mission together. And so when times become tough, like I believe we're entering into, I don't know that we're in the midst of it or even at the end of it. I think we're entering into it. When times become challenging, the importance of standing together as one body becomes even more critical. And in a world where there's increased scrutiny towards the church, where we're starting to see even mild, perse- mild evidence of persecution, while there's an anticipation of even harder days, we have to find reasons to come to the table and be unified together, rather than allowing the devil to tear us apart. Hebrews ten twenty four twenty five 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. A couple of years ago, a family member of ours, my brother-in-law actually, who I have to go visit this afternoon in Brooks, pray for me. No, I'm just kidding. I love them. He and his family were, found themselves in Egypt, and they were visiting some uh, international workers, we call them, or missionaries over there. And Dave said to one of the missionaries, who actually is back here in southern Alberta now, he said, if you had a chance to give advice to the Western church, what would you love to say to us? And without thinking for too long, he said this. He said, you guys waste too much time on secondary issues. Jesus is the reason you're together, and you need to focus on that. You're finding too many excuses to stay apart. The reality for the Egyptian church was that they couldn't afford to be apart. There was so much that was against them. They needed the encouragement. They needed the motivation. They needed to belong together, and so they had to focus on Jesus. And yes, there's reasons why we can qualify or disqualify people. But friends, so often we have to look at the the heart of what the issue is. And be reminded that more often than not, we need to stay together rather than come apart. And here's the power of it. The power of unity is encouragement. The power of unity is joy. It's sustainability. It's the light that we have to shine in the world as we get together. And more and more as the world gets dark, as we come together, the darker that the world becomes, the brighter the light shines as we stand together and point one another towards Jesus Christ. So are there things that we can disagree on? For sure. But what's the piece that we agree on? It's Jesus Christ. Jesus is the reason that we're here. Jesus is who we've sung about. Jesus is our declaration. Jesus is the reason that you belong here. And why you're seated in these these seats. Well, I've talked about this before, but permit me to say it one more time. Because as I look around this room, and I'm going to ask just for a minute, can we turn the lights up just a little bit more? Maybe I'm getting old or blind or something, but I'm having a hard time seeing everybody. And I want to see you as I make this comment. As I look around this room and I see you seated where you are, I think God has you here for a purpose. So play this out with me for a moment. Consider for this moment that when God looked at this point in history, he was like, I needed someone with that gift and with that talent and with that ability to be in Lethbridge. And when he looked at his lion's list of people that he could have placed into this church on this Sunday morning, he chose you and he chose me. He looked at his list and he chose us. He wanted to build a team and so he brought us all together. Some of us were leaders, some of us were cheerleaders, some of us provided some support and others of us, maybe like me, were here just for the picture. But we all were brought here together exactly for this moment. God sovereignly placed you exactly where he wanted you for exactly this moment, for exactly this time. He brought these exact gifts into the room. And when we're here and in, in all using our gifts and all here at the same time, much like he did with creation, he looked at it and he, and he was well-pleased. And as we think about that, that God sovereignly placed us here, that we're a key piece of his army that we're an important uh, part of his tactic to bring the good news of Jesus into this world and build his kingdom. It really changes the way we operate, doesn't it? It changes the posture from being people who show up and consume what's being given to them to people who are key cogs in the wheel and a part of the work that God's doing. We're a part of the team. We're a part of the family. as we now we consider God's plan we have to consider the devil's plan because as he looks at it as the devil looks at what's taking place here this morning and taking place in the life of the church and in the work of the church he looks at it and he's like no way no way and so he often the way that the devil attacks us when we come together or when we're considering our part in the family or our part in the team our part in the in the army is that he attacks our identities He attacks our identities and see this early in verse 15. There's this seed or this thought of insignificance that we're not important. That we don't look like someone else or we don't act like someone else. And so for some reason we don't belong. It gets us off stream from God's design and God's plan. And the second way that, that the devil deceives us is that he divides us like we just talked about. If he can get us to focus on our differences, then there's a very good chance that he can divide us and diminish the impact that we as a church can have together. But what Paul shows to us here is that the gifts that we consider to be the humblest and the meekest are perhaps the most important. And second to that, when we use our gifts together, not only will we live into God's purpose or God's plan, but we will accomplish God's plan with greater joy and greater impact because we operated as the body of Christ together. As much as Satan would love to get us off to the sidelines, or even off the field, when we understand that God has given and placed us exactly where he wants us, it changes the landscape. And it helps establish a deep sense of belonging in the local church. Look at verse 24 here. Verse 24 says this, Uh, starting in, in the second part of it. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, but the parts that should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part is honored. Every part rejoices together. When we reviewed the results of this survey, one of the things that we discovered is that people who belong to University Drive Alliance Church are connected in two very important ways. The first way that they have a sense of belonging is that they, outside of Sunday mornings, have a connection in what we would call a circle rather than just sitting in rows like we're doing right now. At some point beyond Sunday morning, whether it was Sunday at lunch or Sunday dinner or or midweek or whatever the case might be, they were a part of a group, an if table or a men's prayer group, a discipleship triad or a small group, a Bible study. They found a place beyond Sunday morning where they were connected to a group of people who had a common focus on Jesus Christ and spurred one another on to love and good deeds, as Hebrews ten twenty four and 25 says, and pointed one another to Jesus growing in him. That was a reality that we discovered in this report. And the second thing that we discovered was that people who had a sense of belonging to University Drive Alliance Church were people who used their gifts, much like Diane Rapley did at Redeemer Alliance Church. And whether you consider your gift to be small and meek and humble, or you consider your gift to be significant and big, it didn't matter if you were using your gifts here. Then there was a deep sense of belonging and a deep sense of joy that you found in coming to church. And as we look at that, one of the things that we're anticipating for this fall is that there is an opportunity, maybe like we haven't had for some time. Call it generations, call it decades, call it years, call it months, whatever you want to call it. I believe that this fall, as we look forward to what God is going to do, we should do so with some anticipation, because I believe as I engage and interact with our culture, and I see what's going on in our world, that there are cracks in the desert floor. That people are looking to Jesus Christ in a fresh way. And so we need to come together as the church, everyone using their gifts to reach into that opportunity and to have impact. You could look at the days in front of us and say we're in a crisis. And I would suggest we probably are. Our world is changing. But friends, Christ births opportunity. And in opportunity, there are moments where we can come together and we can step up and we can spread the good news of Jesus into this world. But we have to do so together. We want people to use their gifts because our body isn't complete until the whole body is working and serving together. This fall, one of the areas we have of need is to continue to establish and grow our group's ministry. Our circles ministry, whatever you want to call it, our if tables, our men's prayer uh, circles, our discipleship triads, our small groups, our Bible studies, we need to grow. And the thing that's holding us back from growth is our people who will lead these times. So I'm just going to be very frank with you right now. That coming into the fall, we need at least five or six more small group leaders or couples who will be willing to take leadership and invite people into spaces and places, whether it's their home or the church or a coffee shop or whatever the place might be. We need people to step up and to lead. And I know what you're thinking. Maybe in a few months, Aaron, maybe in a few years, or I'm not gifted that way. And I'm telling you that if you're here and you have a gift, what I learned in studying this passage this, this week is even those of us who feel the weakest, even those of us who feel the most insignificant, even the, uh, those of us who are the most humble, oftentimes can have the biggest impact because we show a willingness and an obedience to step up and to serve God. Last night we were with some great friends and we went and saw the movie, um, Sounds of Freedom. If you haven't seen it, I would encourage you. It's a heavy movie. It deals with the issue of sexual exploitation. Uh, We didn't take our kids last night, and so I'm not endorsing it for kids, but for adults, it might be something you want to check out. And in that movie, one of the moments that was said to the main character, Tim, is that when God asks you to do something, basically you have to step up and obey. I'm just going to share with you, friends, I don't like to put lots of pressure on people, but if you're here this morning and you have a stirring for groups, you have a stirring to bring people together, God's poking at your heart right now. I would love to talk to you after church because there's an opportunity this fall that we're going to step into, a vision that God is going to build his kingdom through University Drive Alliance Church, and he's going to use humble folks like you and humble people like me to make a difference in this city. We need five or six more groups And if you're interested in that, you could fill out a Connect card. You could send me an email, aaron at udac.ca, and I will be in touch with you. We're going to go on holidays here in a little bit, but we'll be in touch before and we can be in touch after. We have resources, we have training, we have people who would be willing to journey alongside of you. And I want to say this, I was going to say this later, but I'll say it now. Oftentimes in the church, whether it's our groups, ministries, or it's other things, when we go through and God shows us a deficiency in the ministry, or a problem, or a breakdown, or, a, or whatever the case might be, a crisis, oftentimes when God shows that to us, it's not so that we can go and be critical of what's taking place. I believe he shows it to us because he's stirring in us uh, an opportunity to step into that problem, or that crisis, or that broken spot. I don't believe it's something that we can just leave behind and point a finger at and tell somebody else, you need to go fix that. I believe it's an invitation for us to step forward and to step in. And so I would encourage you, whether it's small groups or kids ministries or youth ministries or the host team or tech teams or a visitation team, which we have need for whatever it is, there is an opportunity this fall to belong and for more. To me, one of the most exciting parts of Diane's story wasn't that she was a charming uh, older lady who stood by the front door. Not that old. She was probably in her late 50s or 60s when I met her. Sorry who that offends. But the most exciting part of Diane's story was, that was the handoff. It was the partnership across the room and the recognition that while she had exercised her gift, she was going to pass off these people to someone else, and there would be another opportunity for someone to start using their gifts. And you know, the reality of the church is that, well, I could walk through the foyer of this place and miss seeing people and miss connecting with people. There's going to be other people who are going to see that same group of people and recognize the opportunity to use their spiritual gifts and to bless them and to connect them. And oftentimes in the church, if I'm walking by or I see somebody quickly, there's an opportunity, much like Diane Rapley, where like a great quarterback and a receiver, or a great uh, dance pair, or a great team, there's an opportunity and a beautiful harmony that's, that's developed and that, that happens when we work together to advance the ball down the field. And I believe, it's this, I believe this is the living nature of being the body together. Yes, there are moments when we use our gifts individually. But spiritual gifts are used best when they're done and used in a partnership. A give and take, if you will, of being used by God together. Look at verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And I'm going to keep going. And God has placed in the church, first the apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. What Paul is establishing there is the harmony and the rhythm of people working together to be the body of Christ, of developing a, a sense of belonging together. I can't belong to this body if I just operate as one. When I use my gifts and you use yours, there's a connection that's established, a connection that's made, a beauty that's found, a completeness that happens called the body of Christ, the complete church. I'll tell you, friends, that even in my limited experience uh, of life and pastoral ministry, well, actually, it's not getting so limited anymore. It's been a little bit. 19 years this fall. There is nothing like the body of Christ serving and sharing together. And it's not something that's regional. We've had some amazing moments here, whether it's whoop up days, barbecue or day camp or our fall kickoff, the invitation party that we're going to have this fall or simply Christmas or whatever. It's so much fun. Our missions trip, other things that we've done. It's been so much fun to work and to serve alongside of you. And I love you guys so much. I would serve with you every day of the week if we could. But it isn't just held here. Growing up in our church in Calgary, when we served together, there was nothing else like it. When we took over an Alberta liquor control board in the late 80s, early 90s, and we renovated that place, there was nothing that contain our excitement. I would go to school every day and I would tell my, they would say, or my friends would say, what did you do last night? And I was like, oh man, I swept a floor. I tried drywalling. We set up the chairs and they're like, I don't get it. And I said, then you got to come. When we were in Ontario on my internship in Ingersoll, Ontario, and we did our, our uh, walk through Bethlehem event, there was nothing like it over the nine months that I was there. Like when we served together in Penticton, when we served the community, when we came together, when we did our Christmas stuff, there was nothing like it. Like when the church came together and now the anticipation of looking forward to this fall, friends, it's overwhelming to me. When God's people use the gifts that God has given to them, not striving for something different, but just being rooted in who God has made you to be, when you bring those gifts to the table and not sit on the sidelines, transformational things take place. And one of the transformational uh, things that happen is a sense of belonging. When all the gifts are present, Encouragement, giving, leadership, mercy, service, teaching, faith, helps, intercessory prayer, evangelism, prophecy, administration, words of knowledge, tongues, interpretation. When all the gifts are present, I probably missed some. When they're all present, the fullness of the church is experienced and belonging increases friends. And it's transformational, not just to those who reach out, but to those who it touches, those who are a part of it. The reality is that we need you at the table. We need you to belong. We need you in this place. God has sovereignly placed you here. And now I'm telling you that we need you to use your gifts because what is in front of us is far going to surpass even what we've experienced behind us. And that was awesome, but this is going to be even better. This past week when, I was, when we've been preparing for Pastor Scott's arrival, one of the tasks that I've assigned to myself that I've been putting together is something called the Realignment Report. It's in my office. I should have brought it to show you guys. It's so pretty. I'm proud of it. And what it is, it's a summary of the last three and a half months of things that God's done in our church. And then it's a look forward to the opportunities that we have in the season to come. And I want to thank you, church, Over the last three and a half months, God has moved in powerful ways here. And I've watched as our lead pastor went on a sabbatical and you let some amateur step up to the plate to lead for a little bit. I've watched as you've rolled up your sleeves. I've watched as you've dug into your pockets. I've watched as you've got down on your knees and you've prayed. And eternity is different because we as a church came together and used our gifts People came to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. People got baptized. Organizations were blessed. Eternity has been changed. And these past three and a half months have been incredible. But when I consider the fall, I believe that Jesus has so much more for us ahead. This report has been so helpful to help aim my heart into some of the areas that we need to focus on this fall. And this has helped so much as well. And while summer's an amazing time, yesterday was absolutely stunning. While this is an amazing time, I believe it's a season where we're going to catch our breath, where we're going to rest a little bit, and where we're going to know that there's an opportunity this fall to roll up our sleeves, to put our work gloves on, and to take the next step into the, into the amazing future that God has for us. And so whether it's, a day, whether it's day camp or it's whoop up days barbecue or it's our fall kickoff invitational day, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to invite you to take the next couple of weeks to rest up and then I'm going to invite you to step in and belong to what God's going to do next. Rest and breathe deeply for the next few weeks and then get ready. I've seen in recent days in this culture, a, a, a fresh desire to look at God and to consider God more so than I have in a long time. There's an opportunity for us this fall, and I believe that God has perfectly positioned our church to step into that opportunity. And you know what? We're going to make mistakes. We heard what so many of you said in this report, and we're probably going to fumble the ball a couple of times as we step forward into this. But friends, we have clarity, and we have direction. We have a passion, and we have a stirring at the staff level, and I believe it's coming at the congregational level, that God is something special, and so we're going to pursue it, and we're going to chase after it. There's going to be things that we miss. And as you see them, I'm going to invite you to step up and to step into those opportunities. To help mend the broken places. To step out into this community. To take the next hill. To take advantage of what's coming in front of us. And as God stirs your heart, I'm going to invite you to use your gifts to contribute towards building God's kingdom. And towards God uh, establishing his kingdom here in Lethbridge. God built the church for growth, and he built Christians for growth. He's inviting us to go deeper with him personally. He's inviting us deeper, or to go deeper with him corporately. And so as we look at the fall, I'm not concerned about the number of people that attend, whether it's 500 or 5,000 or, man, can you imagine 50,000 if 50% of of Lethbridge came to church? Get ready to dig in. And I'm not actually concerned about the number. What I'm concerned about, what I'm mindful of, is that if we don't go into this world and use our gifts, then lost people aren't going to go to heaven and eat with us at the great banqueting table. So we better do something about it. We want you here. We want your gifts. We need your input. You need to belong. Will you praise me? Then the worship team's gonna come and we're gonna sing one last song. Lord Jesus, we love you. And God, we are so thankful for the way that you've brought us together. And I look out across this room, and I'm my mind's eye goes to our online communities as well. And I just see men and women, boys and girls, who've come together from different backgrounds and who've lived different lives, but have come together for the sake and for the glory and for the work of Jesus Christ. God, stir in our hearts a fresh way and help us to see the opportunities that are in front of us. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear uh, the people around us who need to hear the good news of Jesus. And then, Lord Jesus, would you plant courage into our heart? Would you plant fire into our souls? May we be so convinced and so convicted that lost people around us near the he- need to hear the good news of Jesus. Lord, that it would just flow out of us. Would you anoint the moments in front of us, Lord Jesus, I pray. Would you anoint our dinner tables? Would you anoint the coffee shops? Would you anoint the pathways that we will walk on? The boats that we will ride in? The fishing rods that we will use? Whatever instruments we have and whatever tools we have to bring people together and to declare the good news of Jesus. God, would you anoint those moments and would you use this church to build your kingdom And to establish a deeper sense of belonging with you and with each other. Oh Lord Jesus, you love these people. I love these people, and I believe that the days in front of us are going to surpass even the days that we've been we've lived through. And God, this is good news. This is encouraging. This is stirring because God, those were great days, but what's to come is going to be even better. May we truly be an Acts two type of church, a church where people belong. church that's squared and rooted on the person of Jesus Christ. We commit ourselves to you in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Let's sing together.